minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Monday. Back to school, back to work we go. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
Yehi ha'shavu'ah ha'avu 
شما شناست و
get things started on a Monday morning, don't we? Unbelievable. That's a great medley of music from Maishi Menlowitz and Nostalgia album, which made such an impact when it came out a few months back. That's the uh, Pathways medley with songs like Horeini, Altira, Aishas Chayel, Achashualti, and of course, Kilacha. Uh, that comes from the Nostalgia CD here at JM in the AM. Before that one, you heard uh, Elo Kai done by David Lowy off of Atai Madi. Brand new David Gabe that's called Mone. From Akola Tova, echoes of a holy day as we say goodbye to Shabbos, say uh, hello to a brand new week. Uh, that's Benny Friedman from the Bnei Hechala CD. Masach HaShem, our Monday morning theme song, Mayor Sherman, of course, and Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Monday on this October 19th, day 6 in the month of Mar Cheshvan, the year 5776. Tuf I and Vav. 36 degrees outside. Wow! That is pretty cold. 65% humidity, Windsor West at 4 miles per hour. Sunny today with a high of 53. Then tonight, mostly clear, low 45. Tomorrow, partly cloudy, a high 70 degrees. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God it's up to 70 tomorrow. Whew. For a while there, I thought we'd be uh, suffering from winter-type temperatures very, very early in the season. 89 right now in Yerushalayim. That's the way to go. Yet another great reason to move to Yerushalayim ASAP. 36 here in Jersey City as we say good morning at JM and the AM. It's Monday. We're heading back to school, back to work, and I thank all of you for tuning in. Thanks for making us part of your day and for making us part of your listening habit. I'll tell you, there's so many people coming over to me who are uh, tuned into this network close to 24 hours a day. Whenever they're tuned into any type of radio, they seem to be heading to us, which I appreciate greatly. And um, the method of listening... Uh, well, there are many methods of listening, of course. Three radio stations here in the morning. A listen line you can call into. The NSN app seems to be really dominating a lot of people's lives, um, or at least their listening lives. Uh, if you don't have it yet, make sure to install the NSN app and uh, enjoy all of our great programming all the time. Matis had a great interview yesterday about the Temple Mount. Uh, you'll find that in the archives section of the NSN app. Uh, that was during JM Sunday. I want to thank all of our great weekend programmers who do a great job from after JM and the AM on Friday all the way until JM and the AM on Monday morning. It's much appreciated. And uh, I hope that uh, everybody out there continues to enjoy all of our wonderful original programming, which uh, comes at you, including Mayor Weingarten and the Israel Show. What an important time to have an Israel Show, and we have it. Mayor Weingarten presents it Mondays, 9 a.m., right after JM and the AM. It's coming up just over two hours from now. 
on our stream at jmnam.org and, of course, on the NSN app. Plenty happening here on a Monday as we head back to school and back to work. It's JM in the AM at 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial and around the world on the web. JM in the AM.org.
the uh, Friedman Wasserman wedding discussing that song with Simcha Liner. He was there for the chuppah last evening. Nigun HaChachma here at JM in the AM. Before that, Bowie Kala done by Udi Davidi. Eitan Katz brand new with Yeravna. Ani Mamin from the Stay With Me CD from the Waterbury Yeshiva up in Connecticut opening up that set. 7 o'clock in the morning, it's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web, jmdm.org. Golly, it's on the background to our news from Israel coming up. Um, all the latest from Israel... Uh, off of Galitzal News is on the way. We're going to try to check in with Yishai Fleischer, who is a um, radio host and journalist in Israel. Try to get him in the 7 o'clock hour this morning here at JMN. We actually had him secured last week, and when we made contact with him, he was uh, barbecuing with his family on Erev Shabbos in a Jerusalem forest. I said to him, we can't bother him under those circumstances. So hopefully he'll join us today, coming up at some point in the next uh, hour or so. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Monday is next. Booker Tov from Jane. Galitzal, Shash Time, Kan Shibel Karmi Mansur, Imashakore Akshab.
לוחם גולני סמל עמרי לוי שנרצח בפיגוע בבאר שבע יובא למנוחות בעוד כשעתיים בבית העלמין במושבו שדה חמד. הבוקר הותר לפרסום כי המחבל שביצע את הפיגוע הוא תושב הפזורה הבדואית ליד חורה. קרוב משפחתו, קיץ סלימאן אבו אלקיעאן, אמר ליעל דן, אנחנו בהלם. אני עמום, אני מתאר לעצמי שכל בני המשפחה מרגישים אותה הרגשה שאני מרגיש. אני מגנה בתוקף את המעשה, את האלימות, אנחנו מסתייגים, מזועזעים, ופשוט לא מקובל עלינו. הבלש רייש, שהיה חלק מהכוח שחיסל את המחבל ונפצע במהלך חילופי האש, שחזר את האירועים בצהריים בבית החולים סורוקה. כתבתנו יערה שפירא שמעה אותו, ואחריו את אביו, ניצב בדימוס יוסי פריאנטי, לשעבר מפקד מחוז ירושלים. ברגע שנכנסנו לתחנה המרכזית, שמענו מספר יריות, הצלחנו אני ועוד מספר שוטרים לסגור על כוך שהמחבל התבטל שם. יצאנו ירי, על מנת להנטרל את המחבל, המחבל נוטרל. שאלה ראשונה שאלתי אותו, שהוא ענה לי לטלפונים, המחבל נוטרל. אמרו לי כן, נטרלנו אותו, אמרו לי שהוא פצוע קל, וגם דיברתי איתו בטלפון, אז הבנתי שבאמת הוא נפצע קל. בבית המשפט המחוזי בנצרת הוגש בצהריים כתב אישום נגד המחבל טארק יחיא בן 20 מג'נין שביצע את הפיגוע בעפולה לפני שבוע וחצי. כתבתנו אורנית פורן. בכתב האישום שהוגש היום בבית המשפט עולה כי נהג הסעות תושב אום אל פחם הסיע את המחבל לעפולה תמורת 150 שקלים. עוד עולה כי המחבל שראה סרטון הסתה בפייסבוק כתב פוסט לבני משפחתו בו הוא מבקש את סליחתם אם לא יחזור מהמשימה. בתוך כך מבית החולים העמק נמסר כי מצבו של החייל דביר פרץ שנדקר באירוע טוב וככל הנראה מחר ישוחרר לביתו. אמו של פרץ, שושי, שוחחה היום עם כתבים. הוא זוכר שהוא דיבר איתי, הוא הגיע עד החנות שלי וחצה את הכביש. הוא דיבר בטלפון עם החברה שלו, החברה שלו אמרה לו, תסתכל ימינה ושמאלה. אמרה לה, לא, מה, אני בעפולה, שתי דקות מהבית, הכל בסדר. ואז הוא אמר לה, מאמי, מאמי, דוקרים אותי, דוקרים אותי. ועדת השרים לענייני חקיקה ביטלה את סעיף ההשתקה בחוק רשות השידור שנועד למנוע מאנשי הרשות החדשה להביע את דעותיהם. כתבנו רום ליאור. השרים החליטו למחוק את הסעיף השנוי במחלוקת אחרי שראש הממשלה התחייב לכך בעקבות הביקורת הציבורית הרבה שנמתחה על החוק עם אישורו בכנסת. לאחר שבתקופה האחרונה נשקלה האפשרות לשנות את נוסח סעיף ההשתקה, חברי ועדת השרים החליטו לבטל אותו לחלוטין על אף דרישת השר אקוניס, שזה ייכלל בחוק השידור הציבורי החדש. כמעט מחצית מהסטודנטים בישראל נתמכים כלכלית על ידי הוריהם במהלך הלימודים, כך עולה מסקר של התאחדות הסטודנטים. כתבתנו תמר פלד. עוד עולה מהסקר כי ההכנסה הממוצעת של הסטודנט עומדת על כ-3,700 שקלים בחודש. גובה הסיוע של ההורים עומד על 14,300 שקלים בשנה בממוצע. ההוצאה החודשית של הסטודנט, הכוללת שכר לימוד, דיור, מזון ותחבורה, מגיעה ל-6,900 שקלים. מחצית מהסטודנטים הישראלים שוכרים דירה. מזג האוויר בדרום ובמזרח ייתכן גשם מקומי מלווה בסופות רעמים. אלה החדשות שעורך הדר שיפר. Israel 
undone. You hit rock bottom when all the answers asked for seem ignored. 'Cause you never got 'em. There's not a door you haven't tried, but every key is locked inside. Your faith is shaken to the ground. When all the hope you cling to slips away, you're treading water. When desert winds are blowing sand astray, sun's getting hotter. The highest mountains block your view. The woods are deep you can't see through. You're losing hope you'll ever find your way. Sergeant Omri Levy is the name of the uh, soldier who was killed in that terrorist attack yesterday in Beersheba. Sergeant Omri Levy being laid to rest as we speak. 
Pray done by Michal um, Przanski. Hashem is one from the cast of Benny and the Torah Kids. You heard Achenu. That's from the Hayunachonim CD from the Dirshu organization, and uh, that is, uh, like I say, one of the at this point one of the classic Achenu selections for you here at JM and the AM. Please keep in mind Razel Fega Bastzivia Bracha, Razel Fega Bastzivia Bracha for Rafur Shlema, and your help with that is greatly appreciated. Monday morning, 36 degrees. It is cold outside. If you haven't walked outside yet, make sure you get out there prepared. Uh, yeah, may need some scarves, sweaters, all that stuff. Tomorrow we're supposed to hit a high of 70, so I guess it'll be a little better tomorrow morning. Today only a high of 53, so dress accordingly and get ready for a cold Monday. JM in the AM, and uh, this report from the Jerusalem Post. Israeli officials Monday said they've learned that the senior Hamas leadership in Gaza has instructed its operatives in the West Bank to carry out suicide attacks against Jewish targets. This reported Monday by a number of media outlets. The focal points of Hamas activity in the territories are Nablus and Hebron, Israeli officials said. As authorities struggle to grapple with the wave of Palestinian acts of violence in recent weeks, Israeli officials are convinced that Hamas will make every effort to execute a large-scale attack by using whatever means are available to its men in the field. Source told Israeli radio that the Palestinian Authority security forces apprehended a group of Hamas men in Hebron who were planning a number of attacks. According to the PA, the Hamas operatives were found to have in their possession large sums of money as well as explosives. While it's unclear exactly how the men plan to carry out the attack, the Palestinian security forces said they had expressed their desire to die. Mahmoud al-Zahar, a senior figure in Hamas's political bureau, told an Islamist-affiliated website in Gaza that he was hopeful the current violence would escalate into an armed intifada. Hamas leaders said that it was incumbent on the Palestinians to use firearms and more deadly means since this is what the Israeli side is doing. Those who are coming out against an armed intifada are doing so out of personal interest and VIP status, he said, taking a veiled verbal swipe at PA President Mahmoud Abbas. I never heard Abbas say he was against an intifada. It's, uh, 721 JM in the AM on a Monday morning. Thanks for heading back to school and back to work with us. We have amazing programming on our stream all day long. Make sure you install the NSN app where you can comment on anything that's happening as the uh, as the show goes on and as the day goes on. Uh, today at 9 o'clock this morning, you get to enjoy and really be inspired and learn from the Israel Show. Mayor Weingarten is going to be presenting uh, the Israel Show this morning, starting at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the stream, jmandtheam.org, and on the NSN app. And uh, you can imagine during times like this how important it is to tune in and uh, become educated and to hear from the right people when it comes to Israel. Uh, today, learn how to read mainstream media reports about Israel. The Israel Show will read CNN's recent post, which read Israeli-Palestinian violence, what you need to know, line by slanted line, pointing out the subtle biases and hidden misinformation. The latest round of Arab terror in Israel claims to be the result of Jewish prayer on Harabayat. The Israel Show will explore the history of this recurring and recycled libel, plus an Israeli music mix appropriate for the situation in Israel. Don't forget to like the Israel Show Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Israel Show. It happens every single Monday right after JM and the AM here at jmandtheam.org and the NSN app. Special kudos to those who were in Manhattan yesterday for the pro-Israel rally in support of our brothers and sisters. 
Uh, I know it's getting rough out there because there are many different groups that constantly are forming and are uh, rallying and protesting and making their voices heard in Times Square and other places. I know there's a rally today up in Westchester. Call like a vote to those who are going to be up there today. And again, a big eshikach to those who are demonstrating, to those who are planning Israeli solidarity missions. Uh, we'd love to hear about those. Anybody out there who's planning a mission to Israel, let us know about them. Those who are, hmm, how do I put this? Those who are speaking to their children who are in Israel and expressing concern and encouraging them to uh, get around Israel in as responsible a manner as possible. Um, who else do I need to cite and give kudos to this morning? Uh, to all those who have been uh, making their voices heard through the media as well, whether it be through talk radio shows or through newspaper letters or comments on the web or social media postings. Keep it going, everybody. Keep it going. 24 minutes after 7 o'clock, it's JM in the AM, and this is Yitzhak Fuchs.
Pretty amazing, huh? Here's the uh, information regarding today's rally up in Westchester. Americans rally in solidarity with Israel 5.30 today at the Greenberg Town Hall on Hillside Avenue in White Plains. Um, a lot of great sponsoring organizations. Information, jewishrapidresponse.org, jewishrapidresponse.org. That's today, 5.30, up in White Plains, New York. Um, every year we mention that uh, Mr. Joseph Rosenberger, founder of All Shotness Labs, whose yard site is tonight, the 7th of Mar Cheshvan, it's his 19th yard site, in his last will, he wrote, due to the fact that I spent all my years educating the Jewish public about the mitzvah of shotness and therefore couldn't learn enough Torah, I'm requesting the public to at least learn Torah from my neshama, which I'll consider as repayment for my years of devotion. If you're unable to learn Mishnah or Gemara, kindly say to Hillam, Yosef ben Moshe Halevi, his yard site is tonight. And anybody who's familiar with the history of the mitzvah of shotness as observed in this country... Uh, you know that it's a, the least we could do for this amazing man. Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, Echonishmas HaRav Zebin of Yosef Alevi and Esther Bas of Yosef Alevi, and in this case we'll add uh, for tonight's yard site, 
Yosef ben Moshe Halevi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. Klal Yisrael is reminded, Bitchu Hashem, trust in Hashem. Rabbi Leo Lopion writes that once B'nai Yisrael express reservations about how they're going to survive, then they no longer merit to be blessed with miraculous sustenance. In that case, Hashem will sustain His nation in quite an ordinary manner, the way the entire world is supported. To be sure, every situation in life requires us to make personal hishtadlus, to attempt to better our circumstances. Nevertheless, the hishtadlus needs to be based on firm bitachon, trusting in Hashem. It is this faith in the Almighty which will generate the ultimate assistance from above, siyata dishmaya. It's written in the Sefer Shem Re'amunim, in the name of the Baal Shem Tov, that when a person is worried about a tzara, some troubles that they're having, the key to the salvation and safety is found in the strengthening of our bitachon in Hashem. Although the Sahara, the evil inclination, will make every effort to undermine the person's bitachon, he must not despair or be depressed. Rather, it's his duty to devote powerful energy to intensify his bitachon. A poor chassid once came to the home of Ramosha Chaim Rotenberg. He was the brother of the Ger Rebbe. He was also very wealthy. In his hand, he had a letter from the Kotzke Rebbe asking Ramosha Chaim to provide the man with all the needs for the chasana, the wedding of his daughter. Ramosha Chaim gave him one ruble and he wished him well. The chassid left. He was frustrated and he returned home. After all, he contended, it cost him more than that one ruble just to travel to Ramosha Chaim. On the way, a shliach of Ramosha Chaim met him and handed over to him all the money that he needed to cover the expenses of the entire chasana. The poor chassid was dumbfounded. He immediately turned around and traveled back to the home of Ramosha Chaim. The poor man asked Ramosha Chaim, What happened? When I first came to you, you only gave me one ruble. And then afterwards you sent your shliach with all the money that I need to cover the entire expense of the wedding. Ramosha Chaim answered him, I saw when you came in with your letter, you believed you had the money in your hands. You put all your trust in the letter. You forgot there is a Bari Oilom, a creator of the world. Therefore, I put you off momentarily in order that you should remember that there is a Bari Oilom. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you morning physic. Have a nice day. J.M. in the A.M. Monday. Well, he says that we've been on his mind, and I know that he's been on our mind, and we were not able to speak with him Friday morning because we allowed him to. We allowed him. We encouraged him to keep uh, barbecuing in a Jerusalem forest with his family. He is, of course, Yishai Fleischer, who is a noted journalist, radio host in Israel, and um, I am proud to say a very close friend of this radio show. We try to check in. At least once every day with somebody in Israel during these times. And uh, today, I guess we would say it's his turn. By the way, before I formally introduce Yishai, a warning to our audience. If you are um, if you are hesitant to become positive about the present and future of the Jewish people, you may want to tune out. Because when Yishai Fleischer speaks, there is uh, no way to avoid his uh, infectious attitude about the future 
of the Jewish people, even during these trying times. Yishai Fleischer, my friend, Shana Tovat to you. Welcome back to JM in the AM. Shana Tovah, good Chorus, good winter. It's good to hear from you, Nachum. I greatly appreciate it. What can you tell us first about today? Today in Jerusalem, today in Israel in general, then we'll speak about what's been happening over the last couple of weeks. Well, let me start off by telling you about yesterday. Yesterday, I wanted to buy uh, some new uh, Torah books, some new Sfarim, and I went to the uh, Shmuel Navi area, uh, Haredi area, ultra-Orthodox area of uh, Yerushalayim. And I went to this great big bookstore there that uh, everybody goes to now on the corner of uh, Bar- the Barilan intersection. And um, right in front of the store with, with every single safer you could ever imagine, uh, there were some young Jews, uh, black hat wearing uh, young Jews, who were selling self-defense weapons. They were selling uh, guns. It looked like guns, but it's actually a pepper spray a gun. It's just shaped as a gun, but it shoots out pepper spray. And they were also uh, selling uh, these, like, shockers or taser guns that are legal. And the reason I'm telling you this is because I actually got tremendously inspired from this, from this site. Some people may think, wow, that's so sad, Jews are living in fear. And I think it's quite the opposite. I think that Jews uh, are living in strength. We are empowered. Uh, the different sectors in Israel are empowered to, to push back on this jihad against us. And we're being attacked. But we're also arming ourselves and preparing ourselves spiritually and physically in order to keep fighting this battle. And when I saw this, this image of these young people selling and everybody wanted to buy, what I saw was a healthy people, a strong people, a strong nation that wasn't about to lie down and let the jihad steamroll uh, over Israel as it has steamed over, over other places. No, we're going to push back. We're going to fight back. And as I'm walking around Yerushalayim right now, I didn't expect your phone call, and as I'm walking around Yerushalayim now, I just see tons of people out. I see tons of young students. You know, and the atmosphere is, is certainly not cowed or broken uh, or, or afraid. It's concerned. There's a danger. There's definitely a hate against Jews. And there's definitely, uh, uh, you know, a deep Nazi-like ideology that has infected uh, some of our Arab cousins that have fallen prey to the, you know, jihad ideology. Uh, but on the whole, you know, Yerushalayim is strong and I'm Israel is strong. Uh, that being said, we are under real attack, and yesterday was a very brazen attack uh, where, uh, I don't know what the latest scoop is, was it one or two terrorists who came in uh, and, you know, knifed a soldier, took a gun, started shooting, and uh, this was in Tachanam, the central bus station of uh, Be'er Sheva, and uh, was, was uh, you know, certainly a, a, a soldier has been killed. Yeah, and that uh, you know, it's it's a sad thing in Israel when when any of our uh, brothers and sisters are, are murdered in, in such a brazen way just because they're Jewish. Yes, we we mourn, uh, but we are stealing ourselves. We are getting strong here to push back, and basically the nation of Israel is not giving into the jihad that wants to not only do these evil acts, but also show the images and make sure that we're terrorized. And my one message, Nachum, to all your listeners is that the one victory that I want you to make sure that you deny to the terrorists is don't let them terrify you, don't let them terrorize you, don't let fear set into your heart. That will be a great victory to them. And we have to do everything, not only to beat them physically, but also not to let their fear tactics get into our heart. Yeah, well, from your from your mouth to maybe some of the ears of... Of well, I got to be careful because I don't I don't want to criticize the way other people 
uh, deal with their own families in this situation, especially from so many thousands of miles away. But, um, uh, by the way, the name of the sergeant uh, murdered in that attack, uh, Sergeant Omri Levy, and as you said, of course, every time a soldier or anybody in Israel is a victim of terror and one who's murdered, uh, we mourn for them. But as you just said, there is uh, there is reason to go forward and reason to hope. On Friday, you said to me, and I quoted you later in the show, uh, on Friday you said to me that uh, people were walking around Jerusalem with a certain defiance. Defiance to me means a positive attitude, means a strong attitude, means that uh, it means an atmosphere of uh, of strength. Uh, is that what you're picking up from most people at this point? Nachum, in one day in Auschwitz, during the height of of, uh, of the Holocaust of the Shoah, more Jews were being murdered than in all of the wars of Israel and all the terror wars. We're living in a time today where Jewish people are empowered. We're not living in a time where uh, anti-Semitism is gone. That's still very much in the scene. But what's changed is that Jewish people are definitely empowered. And they're, they're absolutely defiant. You know, we have seen, you know, we live in a, in a video era where, where people, the minute something happens, people take out their phone and they start filming and that makes the news. So we've seen some absolutely horrific you know, kind of as a joking thing, I call it jihad zombies. You know, we've seen these, like, zombie-like attacks that just don't stop. We've seen some horrific things. But we've also seen Jews responding, shooting back, kicking, fighting, using umbrellas. There was a picture that was sent around of, uh, again, a Haredi lady, ultra-Orthodox lady, carrying a rolling pin in her purse. Uh, and uh, and this is an incredible, you know, this is what I mean by defiance. We're absolutely not letting them break us. Or, or stop us, or stop us from having children, or teaching our children. Uh, that is definitely not at all the atmosphere here in Israel. And, and I want to tell you a quick little story. You know, my grandfather, who survived the Holocaust really by running away from Poland uh, to Russia, he came from a town called Ostrovitz or Ostrovca. And this town had a famous uh, tzaddik, Mary Achilmi Ostrovca, and he was very weak physically because he had been fasting for many years. He foresaw the Holocaust coming, and he was trying to get rid of the Xera by fasting. He was very skinny, very sickly, and, uh, and it's well known that he, he had to lay under many blankets a lot of time, and he was also a big uh, genius in Torah. Anyway, one day he heard that uh, the pogrom, you know, a big mob was coming to, to, to kill the Jews of the town of Ostrovitz, and he got out of his bed, and he took like a small like pitchfork, like a small, uh, uh, you know, shovel, a small one, and he, and he kind of took it in his trembling hands, and he, st- and he turned on the light in front of his door, and he just stood there. And the other Jews of the town did the same thing. They, they took whatever they had, a fork, and they stood in front of their houses, si- signaling they're ready to fight. And, and when the pogrom, when the mob came, they saw the Jews ready for fight, they just turned around and they left. Uh, that's exactly what I mean by defiance. There's a defiant attitude here in Yerushalayim and in Eretz Israel in general. And also, frankly, a bit of a, you know, an atmosphere of, look, we've been through this before, and we've been victorious in the end. We've been victorious in the end. Furthermore, you really have to ask yourself, you have to ask the jihad, what it is that they exactly intend on doing. Because it is obvious that they weren't able to get rid of us with their big armies when they had a big Syrian army and a big Egyptian army. So now with their small, you know, terrorist armies, they're going to you know, undermine the stability of the state of Israel. It's, it's, a, it's a joke. It's, it's just a joke. It's not going to happen. I ask them this. I say to them, you've been fighting with us for so long. When you started fighting with us, we were 600,000 Jews. 
Now we're six million Jews in Eretz Israel. <laughs> so where exactly do you think you're, you're going with this? You're not going anywhere. It is it is the jihad that's going to be destroyed in Eretz Israel and, and, and the state of Israel you know, on the land of Israel and the people of Israel and the Torah of Israel. Yeah, you know, is, is in an upswing and certainly not going to be destroyed by this. Uh, by this, uh, you know, jihadist effort. Yishai Fleischer with us from Israel. You mentioned forks and, and knives and rolling pins and whatever else uh, may have been used by Jews in the story that you that you told um, uh, regarding the pogrom and how the enemy turned away. Some might, and again, I hesitate sometimes to do this, but just from the point of analysis, because I'm so many thousands of miles away, it's probably unfair, but you're there on the spot, so you could offer an opinion. Some might uh, suggest that the government of Israel is not pulling out enough forks, is not standing in front of enough doors, uh, showing that they, as a security force, is tough enough to convince the enemy to um, to disperse. Uh, in fact, it's interesting to hear about specific episodes. You mentioned that there are you know different stories that are going around. There are a couple of stories going around about you know people who are ready to be attacked by a mob and they simply shoot one bullet in the air and all of a sudden everyone's gone. And it just seems like the government of Israel is not ready to take some of those steps to quell the entire situation. What's your reaction to that? Well, that that I mean. You're raising a much bigger issue. You're right that before we were talking about specifically the attitude of people. But when it comes to the attitude of, of governments, uh, we have been very soft on allowing the jihadist ideology to, to, to swell in our midst. And we've allowed uh, jihadist education to be part of the agenda in schools. Uh, we've allowed the minarets to blare Allah Akbar, which is code for something much worse than God is great. And uh, we've allowed uh, criminal uh, ideologues, to, like, uh, like Rad Salah from the, uh, the Muslim front in the north, to continue to you know, not, not be incarcerated or imprisoned. So we've allowed this to, 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 to fester. And now to put the, the jihad genie back into the bottle is not a simple thing not a simple thing and israel is as a country is always balancing also it's it's uh kind of the other side of the things that i was saying also it's it's democratic ideals and it's liberal ideals which we value and cherish but the question is at this time you know isn't it right to set aside some of those values and, and to realize that that we have a, a real enemy within the within us a real you know fifth column and force Arabs to decide whether they're going to be either loyal citizens of the state of Israel or loyal to the jihad, and, and therefore let it be clear that we're at war. And, and I think the state of Israel is loath to push that issue too far. Um, you know, it's a bigger question of whether Israel is a Jewish state and an ethnic state. Certainly I see it as being a Jewish state and an ethnic state. But other people have kind of more Western ideals of it being really a state of all of its citizens. And uh, what can I tell you, Nachum? We're in a bit of, uh, of a state of ambiguity. We're in a bit of a state of, um, uh, you know, having two feelings at the same time. Right. And, and so, therefore, we don't go all the way. We don't, we don't beat them down all the way. We don't, we don't uproot them, as we did not uproot uh, Hamas in the, in the last Gaza war. We, the tendency of the government and the police is to try to quiet the situation and try to make the situation, you know, palatable, but not to totally uh, d- destroy the enemy. And so they rise up again. Here in Israel, we call it Tipul Shorish, 
that there isn't, you know, a, a root canal being done to actually, un, uh, you know, uh, to, to, to uproot the terrorist ideology and, and those who would commit it. Uh, there's not enough arrests being made, and yet there's a lot of arrests being made. Um, so, so this is a conflict in Israel, really, and, and it's also a political conflict. Don't forget, we're coming out of the, the Oslo period. We're still, you know, coming out of it, where really there was a completely different idea. There would be two states living side by side. And that all all the Arabs really wanted was was their rights to to, to to live in their country next to ours. Now that ideology is starting that that belief the belief that that's true is starting to leave the scene. And more and more people, and you see it also uh, in in polls, and you see it in in how politicians are voting, which is always in line with polls. You see that uh, more and more politicians are coming to the conclusion that indeed we're not th- th- those old liberal ideas. Or, or, or I would call ultra-liberal ideas about uh, the, the the real intent of the jihad, that it just wants to live side by side, it just wants to secure rights. Those are all facades. That was a facade. That wasn't the real intent whatsoever. That was that was something that we, you know, that our kind of liberal-minded uh, attitude uh, wanted to believe. It was a pipe dream. Now it's becoming clear that, no, we're dealing with, with, with people who do not, here's the key, do not recognize the legitimacy of the state of Israel to yeah, exist. That's for sure. Yishai Fleischer with us from Israel. Could you describe for uh, for our audience how close you live to the Temple Mount area? Well, it's so close that uh, that um, it's in my living room window, and uh, it's so much so that it's uh, the Temple Mount is is an incredible part of my life. When I when I come home and I open the door. I don't just kick off my shoes or whatever. I have to kind of, you know, take a little bow, take a nod, and, and look at this this thing that's right outside my my window. And this thing is really the epicenter of the universe. You know, the the where God reveals Himself the most in the world. And there's no question that Yerushalayim is the epicenter of the battle. And within Yerushalayim, the epicenter is of course Har Habayit. What? Why? And why? The Arabs sense correctly that their control of Har Habayit. Uh, if they're able to hold on to it, they'll be able to kind of keep us on the defensive, keep us from rooting ourselves in this land. And at the same time, more and more Jews are coming to the consciousness of how central the Temple Mount is uh, in in Yiddishkeit, in, in Judaism, in the, the Judaism of uh, of, Eretz, of the return of the Jewish people to the land of Israel. The it, center of that is Yerushalayim. Is that a f- so is, is that question? Yeah, is the fight that the, the epicenter of the fight is about Yerushalayim. Yeah, but is that is that a fact though? Most of the terror has been in Yerushalayim. But is that a fact though that mo- that so many more people are coming around on this issue? It seems like the the I don't know the Jewish slash Israeli side of the issue that tries to you know bend over backward for the um, for the current uh, for the current. Um, um, Jurisdiction over Harabayit. It seems to me that it keeps getting stronger and stronger. Do you really feel that the other side of the issue, those who understand and appreciate Jewish history vis-a-vis the Temple Mount, is really coming out strong at this point? You know, Nachum, um, you're right on the money when when you're asking these questions. And and, and I, I want to give you kind of a deeper answer for a second about that, and that is that everybody, even without being able to verbalize and on all sides of the argument, all sense that the Temple Mount is something that's bigger than all of us and is, in a sense, 
power and also seeing God eyeball to eyeball. And that scares people, Nachum. It scares them. And it scares Jews. The reason that the Jewish people uh, gave up control to the Temple Mount after the Six-Day War was because it was too real for them. It was too much for them to look God too closely. We were willing to deal with, with, with secular nationalism. We were willing to hold on to our historical homeland. But the Temple Mount, ooh, that's a little too close. It hits home because it, 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 when you hold on to the Temple Mount, it asks you a question. Are you willing to change? Are you willing to, are you willing to be a godly person? So... Uh, the Jews, uh, uh, the Jewish people, have a lot of reasons why they want to stay away from the Temple Mount. Some of us think that if you walk on there, it's too holy, and, and we'll start to desecrate the place. Other people think that if you mess with the, with the jihad on the Temple Mount, uh, you will bring on World War III. Right. And many of us are just are just plain afraid uh, of of the of the impact that it could have on, on, on Israel to... Because everybody understands somewhere in there, although we should be fighting just for equal rights of prayer on the Temple Mount, but beyond that, there's a realization that, that there's this third temple somewhere, and everybody, if it's the jihad or the ultra-Orthodox or the secular, everybody's afraid of it on one level or, or another. Which is, by the way, a little bit humorous, because it's like, you know, the, when, you, when, you, when you walk on top of the Temple Mount, uh, then, then you know that you're not allowed to, you're not, you're not allowed to pray at all, uh, because the Muslims watch you, the Muslim watches you like a hawk. And I'm always laughing a little bit about that, because I'm thinking, they must be really, really afraid of our prayer. Right. <laughs> and, uh, I think, again, for, for, especially for your audience, it's important to really pray for the peace of Yerushalayim now. Uh, it's important to pray for Jewish sovereignty. Uh, it's important to read up about it. I think, uh, especially the book of Zechariah, Take a look at you know what it means to, to hold on to the Temple Mount. Uh, what, what what a what a kind of on one hand a spiritual uh, the highest of spiritual places, on the other hand a kind of military fortress where where we assert our sovereignty through it. And yeah, you have you know the answer to your question is yeah. There's many people who are still very afraid of it and and have all kinds of intellectual reasons why why not to assert more sovereignty over it. In the meantime, within the heart of our capital uh, is a foreign sovereign, Jordan. Uh, which and on top of that Temple Mount is some of the worst jihadist ideology in this land. It comes directly from the place that's holiest to us. Unbelievable, unbelievable. The the irony of life and of history, huh? Just unbelievable. <laughs> Ishai Fleischer from Israel. I warned you, everybody. I warned you. You'll come out with a uh, positive message if Yishai Fleischer is invited to these airwaves. You still have tremendous hope for the future of the state of Israel and the Jewish people, right, Yishai? Absolutely, and you know you could you could see it. I, I sometimes laugh, and I'm on the verge of crying just when I see you know uh, grade school kids get off a bus on a trip to the hotel, and I see the mamash, you know, tens and hundreds of them walking. You you, you see it at the bar mitzvahs and the bat mitzvahs. Uh, you you see it in the way people are carrying themselves in the streets of Yerushalayim right now. You, you see it certainly from where I pray Friday night on top of the Mount of Olives in the synagogue called the Choshen Building, and looking out at all Yerushalayim, you see the sun setting and Shabbos coming into Yerushalayim. You see more and more people interested in, in Yiddishkeit and Judaism and coming closer to our roots. Um, I, just, I just don't believe that God has brought us through 2,000 years of exile, through the pinnacle of the exile, which was the, which was the Holocaust, brought us to this land, helped us win miraculous wars, has, has made us so many in this land, 
has, has seen an economic miracle in this land with the startup nation and, and so forth. It's seen such a beautiful army. And the return to Judaism, it's really, I, I would be very hard-pressed to be cynical or negative about the, to the miracle times that we're living in. Unbelievable. Yishai, nothing like being inspired by you on a Monday morning. Kolakavod, my friend. What a pleasure speaking with you. And dash cham to everybody in the holy city of Jerusalem. Yerushalayim sends its love to you and your listeners. Thank you so much, Nachum. The great Yishai Fleischer. It's Monday morning at JM in the AM. To sing your praise My heart to feel the joy Let me have the gift For which I'm yearning Another night In Israel Desert flowers blooming in the spring The grapes upon the vine Let me walk the beaches in the moonlight Let me fall in love in Israel Wherever you go from our souls A time to mend A time to gather stones A time for peace in Israel Let me hear the voice of bride and groom Of laughter in the streets The prayers of our children So they need not fear In Israel
J.M. in the A.M. with Sam Glazer. What a way to wrap up the hour, huh? Yishai Fleischer and then this song. I told you you'd be inspired by his words. J.M. in the A.M., Sam Glazer wrapping up hour number two this morning. Uh, the Aliyah Dream Tour from Nefesh Benefesh continues. Rockland County this Sunday at the Hilton Garden in Nanuet, uh, 10.30 in the morning. And then Queens Sunday night at the Hilton New York JFK, plus a l- bunch of cities between now and then. They're all over the country. If you want to check out the Aliyah Dream Tour with Nefesh Benefesh, it's nbn.org.il slash Aliyah Dream. That's nbn.org.il. Slash Aliyah Dream uh, for information on that. A uh, bunch of open houses going on out there for the uh, high schoolers, or I should say for the eighth graders. Um, I have to go through the list and figure out what's happening when, and then I'll pass that information along to you. Reminder tonight there's an evening of Torah in memory of Beth and Morris Vitelowitz and in memory of Yehuda Baim. It's happening tonight at 8 p.m. at the Bialystoker Synagogue, 7 Willett Street on the Lower East Side. Rabbi Baruch Simon will speak on the topic of the Torah view on communal response to tragedy. Rabbi Baruch Simon tonight, uh, plus a Siyam Mishnayis taking place in memory of Beth and Morris Vitelowitz and Yehuda Baim. Um, information, you can contact the Allistucker Shul. Again, that happens on the Lower East Side tonight. The great big challah bake is happening at the Grand Prospect Hall this week, uh, Wednesday night, October the 21st. This is all part of the Shabbos project. I know a lot of communities are having their own challah bakes and their own Shabbos projects. A um, big, big yashikach to everybody who is coordinating Shabbos Project events around the community. Uh, believe you me, a lot of people are going to be very appreciative that they are going to discover Shabbos because of the efforts of the community, that's for sure. Oh, and the Kalbach Shabbos, a lot of people, rightfully so, are observing the Kalbach Shabbos this week because uh, Rib Shlomo Kalbach's yard site is next week on Thursday, so the Shabbos before, in this case, Parshas Lechachot, becomes the tribute to Rib Shlomo Kalbach Shabbos. So the Kalbach Shul has a tribute concert happening this Saturday night uh, with Yehuda Green, Lipa Schmelzer, and Ellie Kranzler at the Westside Institutional Synagogue. Concert will begin at 9.30. Information, kalbachshul.org, kalbachshul.org. You'll want to check that out. Um, that is happening uh, this coming Saturday night. That's a good show. That is a good show. To say the least. And what else do we have for you? I think that's it for now. America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored. WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM dial broadcasting live. From the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world in the web, jmtheam.org. With a reminder, Mayor Weingarten and the Israel Show. Very timely program, to say the least, coming up between 9 and 10 right after JM and the AM on jmtheam.org and the NSN app. You know, friends, to tell you the truth, to tell you the truth. 
For me and for you, it's still Yom Kippur. It's still Yom Kippur. Till there be peace in the world. Till there be peace in the world. Peace in Yerushalayim. It's still Yom Kippur. Yisrael betach b'shem Yisrael betach b'shem You know friends, sometimes it makes me sad but sometimes it makes me happy Israel has no friends in the world The Holy Land But you know what we have is We have one friend in heaven Israel
The great Rib Shlomo Kalbach, his yard site is a week from Thursday. A week from Thursday is the yard site of Rib Shlomo Kalbach. And uh, we'll, of course, uh, assuming we have our regular programming that day, and I only say it that way because of uh, the situation in Israel, uh, we'll have a special Kalbach tribute day, of course, as has been a tradition for the last 20 years, his 21st yard site next Thursday. And the uh, many, many, many people, as you can imagine, are uh, are preparing for the Kalbach Shabbatons that are going on this Shabbos. Many of them are happening this Shabbos, and I told you about the big concert planned for Westside Institutional Synagogue, courtesy of the Kalbach Shul with Yehuda Green and Lipa and Ellie Kranzler. That's all happening this week. Well, I did hear from my good friend Shimon Lefkowitz, and boy, is he right. After all the years, after all the years of... Um, of torturous comments that I have made to my uh, friends out there who are Met fans, I certainly should give a little, a uh, little bit of some kudos here to the uh, team from Queens, New York, because it's amazing what they're doing. That's for sure. Or as they say, it's amazing, amazing what they're doing. So, um, in this case, us Yankee fans have to take a back seat and watch as this uh, run continues, and we wish them the best of luck. And that's a special message for Shimon Lefkowitz because he has probably suffered more than anybody else in terms of our comments over the years. <laughs> so I'm giving him a chance to enjoy this as much as possible. Monday morning broadcast with 36 degrees. Wow, anybody who was in the stadium last night must have been freezing. It's 36 right now with sunshine and a high temperature of 53. Want to wish a mazel tov to the Friedman and Wasserman families. Last night, the wedding of uh, Moshe Friedman and Rebecca Wasserman, Moshe Friedman from the Five Towns, and uh, his parents, Rebecca and, uh, uh, excuse me, his pa- his parents, rather, uh, Susie and Ari Friedman, uh, pillars of the community out there, and the people who are very well known, and tremendous Balei Chesed, and um, uh, last night, Moshe Friedman married Rebecca Wasserman. The Wassermans uh, themselves, Ann and Mark Wasserman. And Mark, I know for a long, long time, I think when he saw me last night, <laughs> I think we both had a vision of just how long we know each other. Uh, he was, of course, and continues to be the father of the bride. So Ann and Mark Wasserman, Mazal Tov, to Rebecca and to Moshe, Mazal Tov, and to everybody up in New Rochelle celebrating with the Wassermans and everybody in the Five Towns celebrating with the Freemans. We say Mazal Tov from all of us here. At JM the AIM was an incredible wedding. I was honored to be part of the Aaron Teitelbaum uh, Ensemble, led, of course, by the brilliant conductor Yisrael Lamb and, of course, Aaron Teitelbaum himself. An, an incredible array of musicians. I don't know if there were 20, 30. I, it was just you couldn't even count anymore how many incredible musicians there were in the string section, the horn section, everywhere else. And a chuppah that was graced by both Shlaimi Daskal and Simcha Liner. An incredible chuppah with Shlemy Daskal and Simcha Liner, and then the wedding uh, reception uh, dominated by the incredible music of Shlemy Daskal. It was just an amazing presentation. Special, special thank you, of course, to Amati Jay, 
who uh, somehow just coordinates things perfectly each and every time, and of course to Joe B., and of course to great sound engineer Baba and everybody who made last night's wedding sound spectacular. So big Yashikov to Aaron Teitelbaum. was an honor to be involved and to be part of the big uh, greeting of the Hudson and Kala as they came in for the big celebration. And to the Friedman and Wasserman families, we say mazel tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. And I found this piece online, a musical masterpiece featuring Yisrael Lem and the Iron Teitelbaum Orchestra. And, of course, lead vocal on this Simcha Liner. Here it is at JM in the AM. Ladies and gentlemen, I didn't even realize that I was part of this one. How do you like that? I didn't even realize I had an intro of this one. Well, here it is. This is this is the part where you throw a lamb and some liner begin at JM and the AM.
Yisrael Lam, the incredible Aaron Teitelbaum Orchestra, Simcha Liner, and that musical masterpiece. And again, a Mazal Tov going out to the Friedman and Wasserman families from all of us here at JM in the AM. 21 minutes after 8 o'clock on this Monday with 36 degrees, sunshine, and a high of 53. Oh, today is October 19th. I want to wish a happy birthday to anybody out there in our audience who is celebrating a birthday on this October 19th from all of us here at JM in the AM.
Eight-time cats and the Elul Migun during this month of Mar Cheshvan. <laughs> uh, before that, Omek Hadavar with Ashrenu. You heard Simcha Liner Va'ata. We dedicated that to uh, those celebrating birthdays on the 19th of October. Anybody out there celebrating a birthday today, that Simcha Liner song was for you here at JMN. Uh, 26 minutes before 9 o'clock. Jacob Cornblue is with us live via telephone. He is the uh, correspondent. He's been with us before. Correspondent for Jewish Insider and has the, uh, had the, um, City Hall beat and still has the City Hall beat in New York in terms of uh, Jewish news and views and all that great stuff. Jacob Cornblue, welcome back to JM in the AM. Always a pleasure to be with you, Nachum. I appreciate that. When I say welcome back, it's welcome back from Israel. You got back from the trip with the mayor this morning, right? Right, and I'm in D.C. right now for another conference, so life goes on. Yeah, well, the conference today has to do with the mayor of New York or a different story? No, some Israeli-American stuff. Interesting. All right, how was the trip? Uh, it certainly got an interesting amount of publicity. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, it's... Uh, the, 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 what's happening in Israel now is a very high-profile time, so you'd expect that anybody who visits who's a high-profile figure is going to get some attention. 
How would you evaluate the de Blasio mayor of New York trip to Israel? Uh, I think, uh, as you put it right, because of the situation there, it, it was a high-profile visit. After all, uh, a visiting mayor of New York City uh, representing a large Jewish constituent in the United States coming in a time of uh, in a challenging time and expressing solidarity with Israel. And he was pretty, you know, uh, despite the reports uh, prior to the visit, uh, which uh, we all know uh, was a consideration to visit the West Bank and meet with Palestinian uh, um, children or Palestinian officials uh, during the visit, uh, seeing firsthand uh, how Israelis are coping with the with another wave of terror, yeah. I mean, uh, it, it 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 must have uh, uh, had an effect on the mayor, and you could see it in his public statements that he uh, condemned the terror attacks, expressed solidarity with Israel, and uh, overall, he was very well accepted. If it was walking in the street Friday night, if it was uh, at the hotel Sunday morning, was very well received. Very well received. Uh, uh, among the Israeli uh, leadership, if it was Mayor Barakat or Prime Minister Netanyahu. But overall, uh, this trip, even though it was a keynote speech at the American Jewish Congress, it took a different turn when the uh, rise in terror uh, um, took place in, in several cities across Israel, and um, it had a meaning. This, this trip uh, indeed had a meaning. No question about it. Jacob Cornblue is with us. Yeah, I thought he did pretty well, frankly. Were there a lot of New Yorkers, especially the youngsters on the street, who recognized him and uh, acknowledged him being there? Absolutely. I mean, uh, it, it was interesting because uh, Friday night when I was walking back, uh, I, I prayed at the hotel and had a Shabbat dinner uh, at uh, the house of uh, uh, Yitzhak Sindrus. Uh, walking back, we saw the mayor coming with his entire delegation. He had a Shabbat meal at the hotel uh, with all the Orthodox Jewish leaders that joined him on the trip. And uh, uh, he, he walked uh, um, in, through the old city. People stopped in uh, when he was at the visit at Hadassah Hospital. One of the um, victims' wife. Uh, actually grew up in Bensonhurst, Brooklyn. Wow. And uh, at the hotel, some people were like, I'm from Borough Park, I voted for you. Others <laughs> were like, uh, uh, well, he ain't Bloomberg, he's a bum. So you have mixed reactions uh, to his, for him. Obviously, uh, it's a diverse city, so you'll always, always have a mix of opinion. But overall, he was very well received. Uh, it, it, it's not every day that a mayor of New York City takes the time to come uh, um, in such a challenging time and express solidarity. Jacob Kornblues with us, knows a lot about what goes on in City Hall in New York and is always covering the Jewish angle, plus, of course, a correspondent for Jewish Insider. Um, it, it, it's funny, you know, for those who don't know, he has spent a lot of his career in the Jewish community. I mean, when he served in City Council, he probably had the most, one of the most Jewish districts in the entire New York at that time, if I'm not mistaken. And it's and it's always seems to have been I don't know since he became mayor a couple of years ago it seems to be difficult to figure him out in terms of what his attitude is toward the Jewish community or what he does or doesn't want to accomplish with leadership in the Jewish community is any of this becoming clearer 
two years later, or is it just as murky as it was when he started? It's as mysterious as who he's going to endorse for president. I mean, Bill de Blasio, after all, is uh, a progressive uh, leader. Uh, his ideology drives him. He's not driven so much by by politics or even though, uh, you know, he maintains a strong a relationship with the Orthodox Jewish community. And after all, when it comes to policy, uh, we saw a significant shift between the Bloomberg administration and the de Blasio administration. However, on several um, points, they could have done better in terms of uh, uh, education, in terms of uh, universal pre-K and others. Uh, obviously, he, you know... Uh, was more on the side of the unions and the progressives of the school unions than with the private school parents. But uh, I would say Bruno Blasio uh, is, I mean, in his entire career, was always looking a step forward. And he has lately become, because of his uh, progressive uh, agenda that he has put forth in the past two years, he has become a national leader, and uh, becoming a national leader means everything you do has implications. Right. So if you go to Israel and you meet with a prime minister who is head of a right-wing government who seems to disagree with President Obama on several policies, uh, it is very hard for somebody who views himself as a national progressive leader to satisfy his own base by not visiting the West, the West Bank or meeting with Palestinian officials, or by that matter, just expressing the quest for peace while Israelis are being uh, stabbed and slaughtered. Yeah. So he's in a very difficult situation, and I would say that, um, I mean, you can see, you can always see the positive, you can always see the negative of that, but uh, overall, I think... He, uh, what drives him is his ideology and and himself uh, viewing himself as a national progressive leader. But is it my imagination, and and I think it's even true in terms of his relationship and the way he reacts to you. Is it my imagination that it just seems that let's say over the last year he's a little bit warmer with the Jewish community, a little bit more comfortable? Or am I totally wrong on that? I think he's become more comfortable with his job. Mm. The first year, he pushed out a, an aggressive agenda. It was the implementation of, of universal pre-K. It was paid sick leave. So, all, I mean, you know, it, it is very difficult to satisfy the Jewish community in New York because <laughs> ultimately uh, a majority of Orthodox Jewish voters, both Republican, Rudy Giuliani is viewed by them as a hero. Right. And even though Michael Bloomberg shifted, you know, towards the center and had a very cold relationship with the Orthodox Jewish community, when you have a mayor who is beholden to the union, a mayor who uh, implemented reform on stop and frisk, which you all see uh, the, the significant, uh, you know, change in crime that uh, um, it's not so much about murder, but it's you know, you see a hiking shooting. You see that uh, the reforms in Stop and Frisk had an effect on the overall security in the city. Right. So it's very hard to say 
that um, Bill de Blasio, by being mayor of New York, with the policies he's implementing, uh, with the office he's, the high office he's seeking, that he's bringing himself closer to the Jewish community. However, in terms of personal relationship, he always maintained that warm relationship. He knows more about the Jewish communities than some of uh, the community's own leaders. Right. So yeah. you don't have to school him on that. On the other hand, there is a distance and a very big distance between the mayor and the Orthodox Jewish community, residents of the Orthodox Jewish community. Those leaders who go to the Hanukkah reception, who join him on a trip, who, who come to events in City Hall, are the same leaders that, that we, you will always see in the pictures, you'll always see in the newspaper. But in terms of the mayor maintaining a relationship, an open dialogue or outreach to the Jewish community, I think you haven't seen anything in the past two years uh, and nothing, if, if, if anything, in the past year or so. Interesting. Jacob Kornblues with us, Jewish Insider, has the City Hall beat in New York. Nonetheless, with all that, with all that analysis, I would think that you'd agree that he gets a thumbs up for this trip. I, I think it went pretty well, consi- considering everything that could have gone wrong, right? <laughs> yeah, if, if you look at it from a standpoint that it could have gone, you know, taken the ship uh, uh, in, in the wrong direction, the trip had a significant impact on him. I, I saw him from close. Uh, the tour in Yad Vashem, the tour in the hospital, and obviously uh, the meeting with the Prime Minister. Right. I mean, if, if there's one thing that the Prime Minister has been successful so far is with his PR stick. Uh, he's very good at at explaining uh, Israel's uh, uh, standing in the world or its facing uh, challenges uh, when it comes meeting foreign leaders. So obviously all this had 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 um, an effect on the mayor's thinking in the future. So if you look at it from a personal uh, standpoint, if you look at it from a solidarity standpoint, obviously it went very well. And, you know, uh, even if Israelis so, uh, are not so familiar with who Bill de Blasio is, right. even though his liberal base might not be so happy that he went, uh, a New York City leader who represents such a big, uh, a diverse community, taking off his time, taking a weekend, and coming to Israel in such a challenging time is always a blessing, and it it, 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 it sends a strong message. Yeah. I Look, as a New Yorker, I was happy. I was happy. I thought our mayor did well. I thought it was a... Uh a, a trip with a message, and uh, maybe the message was added on because of the situation, but a trip with a message, I thought he uh, maintained that message really clearly and nicely um, during his visit to the Holy Land. Jacob Cornblue, always a pleasure speaking with you. Send our best to City Hall next time you're there. Yeah, I hope to see you in person, Malcolm. Bezrat Hashem, looking forward to that. Monday morning broadcast, it's JM in the AM. I want to remind everybody, the rally in White Plains today to benefit the, or I should say to rally in solidarity with Israel. Uh, takes place at Greenberg Town Hall. That's going to be at uh, 177 Hillside Avenue up at White Plains starting at 5.30 today. Saw some of the photos from yesterday's rally in Times Square. Kolaka vote to the thousands of people and the great Jewish music artists that came out to be part of that demonstration of support for Israel yesterday in Times Square. Very, very important. Got good press coverage. I'll frankly 
These days, if you get any press coverage, I consider that good press coverage. I really got some nice press coverage last night in the late news. So, Kolakavo to everybody who uh, swelled that crowd to the thousands with some great Jewish music stars in support of Israel yesterday in Times Square. I mentioned earlier tonight's the 19th yard side of Mr. Joseph Rosenberger, the founder of all Shotness Labs. He requested that everybody, after the dedication that he had to the mitzvah of Shotness, uh, he's requesting that the public... Learn Torah, Mishnayis, Gemara, say Tehillim for his neshama. That's tonight, Yosef and Moshe Halevi. Yosef and Moshe Halevi on the 7th of Cheshvan, and he certainly took the mitzvah of um, Shatnis and brought it to the forefront for the American Jewish kosher consumer. Uh, the next live edition of the Israel Show comes up in 10 minutes on jmnam.org and the NSN app. Mayor Weingarten will teach you how to read mainstream media reports about Israel. That's in quotation marks, mainstream media. Uh, a recent CNN.com post wrote, Israeli-Palestinian violence, what you need to know. Line by slanted line, Mayor will point out the subtle biases and hidden misinformation, plus the latest round of Arab terror Claims to be the result of Jewish prayer on Harabayat. The Israel Show will explore the history of this recurring and recycled libel. Uh, plus an Israeli music mix appropriate for the situation in Israel. It's all happening 10 minutes from now. Make sure to like the Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash the Israel Show. Mayor Weingarten, always with great stuff. And that is coming up um, at 9 o'clock this morning, jmnam.org and the NSN app. You know, many of you probably heard that the Rebetzin Henny Machlis passed away this past Friday. Many of you, I'm sure, remember that our good friend, um, uh, Dr. Joe Rosazada of West Orange, New Jersey, just a few months ago, really it seems like weeks ago, brought Rabbi Machlis, um, Henny's husband, to our studio here in Jersey City. We had a chance to speak about this incredible chesed that they do every single week in Jerusalem. And someone posted an article uh, on com about Henny Machlis. Uh, Sarah Yocheved Rigler posted the following, and I thought it's worth reading. Um, it's entitled, Henny Machlis, A True Great Jewish Woman. What qualified Henny Machlis, who passed away this past Friday at the age of 58, as one of the world's greatest Jewish women? Jerusalemites would say it was her cooking for and serving up to 300 guests every Shabbos in her cramped Jerusalem apartment. The guests, almost 150 for the Shabbos night meal and over 100 for the Shabbat day meal, range from curious tourists and university students to lonely widows and singles to drunks and mentally ill people who considered the Machlis family's love and warmth more delectable than even their ample food. Henny cooked 51 weeks a year, except for the week of Pesach, from her tiny kitchen. Starting as newlyweds 35 years ago, the Machlis's open Shabbos table expanded gradually over the years until the overflow of guests had to be seated in the courtyard and outside the front door. Henny's great dream was to enclose the courtyard so guests could sit there even in the winter. Alas, she never lived to see her dream's fulfillment. The Machlis's chesed was not restricted to Shabbat. Homeless people slept on their couches, some for weeks at a time, and those whose mental instability might have endangered the Machlis's 14 children were accommodated in the family van. When Rabbi Mordechai Machlis would leave for work as a teacher in the mornings, he would know how many van guests he had by the number of shoes in the windshield. <laughs> for those who gauge greatness by the level of selflessness a person attains, Henny also scored off the charts. At her funeral, her oldest son Moshe recalled how after he got married and moved away to start Kolel, his mother encouraged him, if you ever aren't making it financially, 
Tell me and I'll sell my jewelry. Ima Moshe called out in a tearful voice. You forgot that you didn't have any jewelry. They had all been stolen by the guests over the years. And your diamond ring, you loaned it to someone 20 years ago and never got it back. Being treated for cancer in New York Sloan Kettering, Henry was, Henny was sometimes visited by the unfortunates who even those decades older than she considered Henny their mother. When one homeless woman came to visit, Henny gave her a bed. A relative discovered Henny wrapped in a hospital blanket, wandering in the hospital corridor looking for a place to lie down. Henny's son Moshe was pushed aside at the crowded funeral by one of the Machlis' mentally ill regular guests who proclaimed, I have to get closer, she's my mother. For those who equate spiritual greatness with God consciousness, with the ability to see God's hand always and everywhere, Henny had indeed achieved those spiritual heights. At the funeral, a tearful Rabbi Machlis related just one story. He invited a destitute man whom he always saw at the Kotal to come home with him to eat that day. Henny served her homemade whole wheat pizza. The man loved it. He came back to the house every day asking for a slice of whole wheat pizza. Finally, Henny suggested she could teach him how to make whole wheat pizza himself. Painstakingly and with infinite patience, Henny, Henny taught him how. One night, several days later at 3 a.m., there was a knock on the door. Not on the front door of Alachlis related. Our front door is always unlocked. Someone was knocking on the bedroom door. The loud knocking woke them up. Alarmed at what must be an emergency, Rabbi Machlis went to the door and asked who's there. When the man identified himself, Rabbi Machlis asked, what's wrong? The man replied, I forgot how to make whole wheat pizza. I need your wife to explain it to me again. Rabbi Machlis was exasperated. At three in the morning, you need to remember how to make whole wheat pizza? But Henny calmed him down. It's a test, she assured him. It's from Hashem. Then Henny reiterated to the man, step by step, how to make whole wheat pizza. For me personally, the sign of Henny Machlis' greatness was the radiant joy she emanated all the time. Whenever I ran into her wide smile and the joyful light she radiated conveyed that seeing me was the best thing that had happened to her all day. And although I know that she greeted everyone the same way, I nonetheless was charged by this encounter with the holiness and saintliness that lit up the world, or that tiny piece of the world where Henny Machlis stood. The last time I saw her was several months ago when she was briefly back in Jerusalem between surgeries and treatments. She had already been battling metastasized cancer for a couple agonizing years. I decided to drop in and brace myself to see the battle-weary and fear-worn look that characterized other cancer patients. On the path to the Machlis house, there was Henny with one of her daughters on her way to go to pray at the grave of the Tzaddik Rav Usher. When she saw me, she gave me that same radiant smile and jubilant greeting that had always been her trademark, unmitigated by the cancer, the surgeries, the chemo, the long separation from her family, and the unexpected, unwanted turn her life had taken. Her joyful smile conveyed not just her stoic acceptance, but her happy acquiescence with the way God was running his world. A mutual friend told me after Henny's death, when I was with her, I felt embraced by God. The question, indeed, the challenge of Henny's life is, had an ordinary Jew born to a regular middle-class family in Brooklyn in 1957 become so great? Like the rest of us, she went to college, graduated Stern. Like most of us in our 20s, she had an ideal. Hers was to share the beauty and joy of Shabbos with the whole world. Like most of us, reality intruded in the actualization of the ideal. For the Machlises, the tremendous scale of their success cost them over $2,500 every Shabbat, a financial load that the dry Machlises modest salaries a teacher supplemented by donations from well-wishers. But unlike most of us, their faith in God and love for the Jewish people kept them from compromising on their ideal. They mortgaged their apartment to the hill, took out personal and bank loans, and kept on going. As Henny once told me, we are living in the midst of a spiritual holocaust. Most Jews today have no idea of the beauty and depth of Judaism. How can we not do everything in our power, including going into debt, to reach out to our fellow Jews? The only difference between Henny Machlis and the rest of us is the voice that asserts, I've done enough, I don't have to do more. 
Henny never hearkened to that voice. She kept on going and giving and loving and inspiring until last Friday when she was called to her heavenly reward. Now it's up to the rest of us. An article by uh, Sari Ocheved Rigler on the life of uh, Rebetzin Henny Machlis. Donations to the Machlis Shabbat Project, machlis.org slash donate, M-A-C-H-L-I-S dot org slash donate. Readers who have personal stories about Henny, you're invited to send them to S. Rigler, R-I-G-L-E-R, S. Rigler at com. You are listening to JM in the AM. Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM dial, broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Mayor Weingarten is next with the Israel Show. Make sure to be tuned in at jmnam.org or on the NSN app. You can comment on the app all day long during all of our great programming and enjoy our Monday music mix as you sit at your desk and get the work week started. 
Thanks so much for tuning in. Big thank you to Yishai Fleischer. Big thank you to Jacob Kornblue. And thanks to all of you for tuning in. Plenty more coming up tomorrow starting at 6 a.m. Till then, Achim Segal reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.